Hello again, and welcome to another episode of Otter Fishing with me, Trevor Topfer. Hello, everybody, and uh, a really quick apology. We had some technical difficulties uh, with the first link, but we are live, and I do have a very uh, exciting guest to welcome to the show in just a few minutes. Uh, our respective LinkedIn pages has have been blowing up. It seems like there's a lot of people who are on the edge of their seat and looking to uh, tap the mind of one of LinkedIn's uh most uh, influential and expert people, certainly in New Zealand and globally recognised. But before we get into that, I wanted to ask you all a favour. Wherever you are right now, you might be deep in the metaverse somewhere or staring at the headlights of the cars in front of you in peak hour traffic, wherever you might be listening in to the podcast, if you can jump on and hit the subscribe button or which would be even more interesting for me if you could put a comment in and tell me who are you, where are you, maybe what your business does and a link to your website uh, because nothing would give me more joy than to hear that somebody else who's listening to this podcast ended up becoming a client of yours because of this podcast. That would be way cool. So on that note, I would like to welcome international LinkedIn authority and best-selling author, uh, who is an expert at creating compelling LinkedIn profiles, LinkedIn marketing, training, and coaching, uh, Miss Lanair Johnson. Welcome to the show, Lanair. Great to have you. Thank you for giving up some of your time. My pleasure. Lovely to be here with you, Trevor. Awesome. Um, Lanair, as, as you've no doubt been engaging with a few people across the network, uh, it seems like this podcast has attracted a little bit of attention, which is exciting. Uh, mm-hmm. And it seems like LinkedIn has got everybody's attention. Is it just me or is LinkedIn going through one of these moments right now? It certainly went one of, through one of those moments when uh, COVID-19 hit right in the very mm-hmm. beginning. Uh, then it, and it just mushroomed at that time because, of course, everybody went online. Uh, Trevor, they couldn't meet in person, so they went online. And that's really just escalated from there. So there are now over 810 million members worldwide. So that's got to be something that every business professional yeah, wants to be part of, wouldn't you say? Mm-hmm. Yep, yep. Probably nothing. 810 million these probably days. Nothing. Probably nothing. <laughs> Yeah, you know, LinkedIn, I remember, I mean, I've been on LinkedIn since very, very, very early on. And I think I did the same thing everybody else does. And you stick your sort of CV up there, and then you don't have to keep printing it off and emailing it to people, you can just sort of flick them a link to your LinkedIn profile. But it feels now that there's a lot more going on inside that network. Um, Certainly, the functionality that they've rolled out these days has increased dramatically. And I'd really love to get some insight into what your experience has been and what you've seen change over the last few years and some of the more interesting highlights. Sure. Well, I had the same experience as you with LinkedIn. I just put my CV on there and forgot about it. Uh, And it wasn't until I discovered that it had a news feed that you could contribute to for absolutely free that I became hooked uh, and decided I wanted to learn more about it. And then as a result of that, started sharing information with other people uh, and helping them uh, with it too. So I really became this, uh, as you call it, international authority, simply by learning about LinkedIn and sharing 
doing it, and my mistakes, I hasten to add, uh, with other people. And that's worked um, really well uh, because it's helped me to see LinkedIn in a whole new light and to be able to try new things, to experiment. It's given me the impetus, Trevor, to give it a go, if you like. And I think that that's what's really important about something like LinkedIn is that you need to try it out for yourself. But you're quite right when you say that there are or there have been and there are and will continue to be a lot of technical changes. Uh, they keep adding new features, which is really cool, and I just love that, uh, which really has turned our profiles from, as you say, CVs, really basic, boring documents, into something that is much bigger than that. And I like to think of our profiles um, as our um, introduction to ourselves, our professional yeah. selves, um, online and they're now more visual you might have seen this on your own profile they're, not more, they're a lot more visual than they used to be now with those new banners at the top well they're not new anymore uh, but a cover video so you can have a, a 30 second video in behind your profile photo the featured section with all the visuals that go on in there there are so many options now for people that I just love it and every day I wake up and go I wonder what there is today yep. where have they moved that to that's what I usually do you sort of talk to somebody and go oh it was here yesterday where have they put it now oh yeah, um, that's another thing the thing. That's quite right. <laughs> but uh what i what i find interesting about linkedin i mean we seem to be completely saturated today with uh with a lot of different platforms now all vying for our attention uh and all with their own kind of agenda um but mm -hmm. it feels to me like linkedin's really zeroed in and become the business and the more serious conversation online uh, so it's definitely my preferred platform. I've um, I, I've long, uh, you know, grown tired of Facebook and mm. and uh, and some of the other sort of more generic platforms. Um, do you, I, I have a, a a theory though? Is and I'm wondering what your thoughts are on this. So a couple of days ago, I uh, I saw somebody who you know uh, joined my network on LinkedIn, mm -hmm. and this particular person had a picture of herself. Her profile picture was her in lingerie holding a puppy, which I thought, okay, I understand the attention-grabbing nature of an image like that, but is LinkedIn the most appropriate place for that to be your professional representation of yourself? So my question is, is LinkedIn sliding down and in, 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 in denigrating itself into the realms of the Facebook? Or, or is this something that LinkedIn are, are kind of trying to curate and, and, and prevent? They can't easily stop someone putting up a photo like that. You either got lucky or unlucky. I'm not sure which, Trevor. Uh, you don't often see people doing that on LinkedIn because it's your professional reputation we're talking about. On Facebook and other platforms, you can hide behind um, avatars uh, and um, fictitious names, but on LinkedIn, it's you and in your business uh, world. And so to do something like that, unless you are selling something that is to do with either of those two subjects that you mentioned, a new profile photo, I really can't see the relevance of that. But that doesn't mean to say that that sort of thing doesn't happen. And you do get people, unfortunately, who send you messages that are inappropriate uh, as well on the basis of the photo of your cover photo. And both of those activities are wrong on any platform, let alone LinkedIn, which is a professional platform. But let me take that question slightly further and into the content arena. Mm -hmm. A lot of people say say that LinkedIn is moving in the direction of Facebook in terms of the content that you're seeing potentially in your news feeds. Well, two things about that. First of all, you can control to a large extent what goes on in your news feed and what you see. Right. And the second thing is a 
comes back to this professionalism. People tend to put up professional posts, but with a personal sort of twist. And I think that that's um, appropriate. Now, I had a post that I put up on Saturday, which is not a good day for posting, it must be said, because I had had an article in my uh, local paper about my garden. And I wanted to turn switch that into a business message about PR and how you go about getting that kind of media. It didn't mention my LinkedIn work, Trevor. It only mm-hmm. mentioned my garden, which is not terribly helpful in a business sense. But when Less I... Less gardener. You don't have a sideline. That, that wasn't your side hustle that you no, wanted to do. <laughs> not anymore. Anyway. Um, but what I did, what I found was that because I turned it into a business, um, there was just a lot of information about me, obviously, in the link to the story. But there was information that was of a business um, nature in there. So it told people a bit about me, shared my life with them so people could understand a bit more about me. So that kind of establishes trust and mm-hmm. a bit of that, you know, no like and, and trust factor. But it also had a business edge. Now, some people will tell you that that was inappropriate because it was too Facebooky. But I would argue that based on the number of people who actually saw the post and and made comments on it, positive comments, that that actually was a good a good way to be able to do it. But I don't think you should be trying to lean too heavily on the personal in your content. You, I think it's possible to do it from time to time so mm-hmm. that people know that you're a human, right? Yeah, yeah I think it's got to be... make it all about you. Yeah, there's got to be a level of authenticity to it, right? Um, yeah. Social media is not a walking billboard for you to sell and, and people switch no. off, or at least I know I do. It's about relationships. Mm. Um, so uh, you've you've published a book called Linkability, which uh, I, I, I did my best to try and digest before this podcast. I got a little bit of the way through it. It's uh, it, it, it's it really feels like a step by step, you know, like a how to. And if you followed that guide, you'd you'd no doubt uh, see some significant success across the platform. So it's really you know amazing that you've shared everything that you know warts and all, some of the mistakes that you've made, as well as some of the successes <laughs> that you've made. And I wanted to kind of get into. You talked about the four kind of key strategies of of your. I guess, LinkedIn activity or LinkedIn behavior. And I wanted to unpick those because I really think that there's a lot of gold in there for the people that are listening to this uh, who probably a little bit like me approach LinkedIn in the same way they might approach other social media platforms. And it's a quick, oh, you know, I just you know, I just I got something at work and I'll quickly tell everybody about it and then wonder why they got 20 or 30 people seeing the post uh, versus, you know, potentially another post where they might have tagged somebody or, or done something else and generated a lot more engagement. So mm-hmm. let's talk a little bit about those strategies and try and, um, you know, give, give our listeners a little bit of, uh, of, of your, your gold, Lanier. Um, so starting with connecting, that seems to be the first um, lesson one, if you like. Is that right? Am I, am I interpreting this correctly? Yeah. Well, I think underpinning everything, Trevor, has to be a really good profile because if you are doing any of these other activities we're about to talk about uh, but and you're sending people to look at your profile because inevitably they'll want to check you out if you've done it right, yeah, you stalking have a the good one profile, right? So that's the first thing you need to have before a compelling profile, as you said right at the beginning, um, before you even start with any of these other things because if you you ask someone to connect with you, you send them an invite, uh, what are they going to do if they're really serious about LinkedIn and about building their networks? They will look at your profile. So you want them to go to something that makes them go, wow, not makes them go, oh, well, they're not really that interested in LinkedIn. Look, they've got no profile photo. They've got nothing on here, no activity. Um, and clearly not everything's filled out. So you have to start there. But once you've got that, you're away doing these um, other activities that we're going to talk about, these strategies, if you 
you like. And so step one, definitely uh, fill, in as, much, fill in yeah. as much as possible and, 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 yeah. and put your best foot forward, I guess. Oh, know. absolutely. And, and really do a, a good job. Use all the features that there are because there's loads more new features coming out all the time. Um, get lots of five-star reviews. Not many people know that you can get five-star reviews on your profile. They think you can only have recommendations. Two different things. I'm really a great fan of the five-star reviews. I think they're brilliant. Uh, so get your profile up to speed first of all then start connecting with people and the trick to this Trevor is to always send a personalized invite never just um, click the blue connect button always add a note uh, or add a um, just a message to people telling them why you want to connect with them how you might be connected we both know Trevor so and so or whatever it might happen to be Mm -hmm. Um, we've been on the same podcast uh, whatever and then that yeah they've got a content for you asking the question if you'd like to connect. Uh, And I think that that's really important. So otherwise, if you don't send a personalized message, then you're just going to get nothing. It just shows up in your um, network box and there's no kind of attempt to build a relationship. It's and I don't a really personal message that pushes it. it into my inbox, does it? Rather than it just no, being no, no, it still sits at the top, but it comes with a message. Mm-hmm. And I'll say, Hi, Trevor. Um, I saw your podcast with Stu Lee's recently, I really liked it. Love to connect with you. Shout out to um, Stu. Yeah, shout out to Stu. <laughs> um, and so you know, that's the kind of thing that makes people go, Oh, yeah, that person sounds like someone I want to have in my network. Um, mm-hmm. and hopefully get to know because it's important to remember that LinkedIn is about building relationships with people. Yeah, I think that's that's an interesting one. Um, to me, LinkedIn doesn't feel like it's about the number, it feels like it's about no. the 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 depth of that engagement. I mean, you look at yep. something like Instagram, for example, where it's just how many followers do they have and, and we mm. make an immediate judgment or decision around whether or not we value that person based on how many likes they have. I mean, you know, I can go and buy 10,000 likes and have them on my Instagram page tomorrow. It'll cost me about 30 or 40 US dollars, but I'm not sure that that's going to improve my, uh, my, my engagement or improve my reach or improve my, you know, the, the value or the ROI that I get from my time spent on that platform. So, yeah, is that fair to say? LinkedIn's more yeah. about, you know, it's not about having 5,000 or 20,000 or 50,000 connections. It's more about having 50 that are meaningful. Yes, Uh, but it is important to remember that having a bigger number of those meaningful connections means that you'll be more visible across the platform uh, because it works on a ripple out effect when it comes to things like content. Mm -hmm. But if you have 50 people who are great fans of yours and who will always engage on your content, then that's going to make a huge difference um, and be much better for you than if you've got 10,000 followers who never engage on anything. Mm. Um, which means your post will just die in the corner. So it's important to have those relationships because that's how opportunities come around. So, for example, I'm on this podcast today because you've built a relationship with John Maybury, who mm-hmm. was also on your podcast some weeks ago, um, who mentioned me to you. Yes. And that's how LinkedIn works, right? Mm-hmm. It's all about that ripple out effect and people knowing people. Definitely. I mean, uh, the majority of the the networking I do for this particular podcast is done via LinkedIn. That's where I reach out to most mm-hmm. people. Um, I certainly do my stalking on there and find out if I think they're interesting <laughs> enough to talk to and if I want to, work, if I I want to go work, down. <laughs> so, so anyone that's listening, if you've seen Trevor's been looking at your page, it might mean that I'm stalking you for a potential podcast guest. Um no, I think uh, I, I, I think that's a really interesting point and, and and very important when it comes to connecting. So, is there a magic number? I mean, if we if 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 
for people who are fairly new to the platform or mm -hmm. are still kind of finding their feet, is there a kind of, a, and I hate to put this, so I'm doing it for those who are watching, you can see me doing the inverted commas. For those who are listening, I'm doing inverted commas. But is there a magical number uh, that we should go for, like a goal that we should try and achieve? Or is there a point at which it becomes and starts to take on a bit of a life of itself and the momentum kind of takes? Um, I think both of those things are true. There's certainly a minimum that I think it's important for people to understand, and that's 500 connections. Right. Once you've got 500 connections, the magic starts to happen. Uh, and so you certainly need to, um, to start with that. And for most people starting out on LinkedIn, Trevor, it's not that difficult. We've all been in different jobs, got lots of colleagues, peers, friends that we can um, connect with on LinkedIn. And so that's not a difficult task to be able to reach that. Now, I think, though, that from there, you want to be reaching out to people who can make a difference. So you might want to connect to people who've got big networks, because mm -hmm. then all of those people uh, on their networks are likely to see uh, what you're doing. And I think that it's important, too, to remember that you have to have a bit of a balance so you want good numbers so that other people don't look at your profile and go oh either that person is, is either new to LinkedIn or they're inactive on the platform so they're not going to see anything I do so there's no point in connecting with mm. them um, or um, they will look at you and go yes now this person knows some people that I know because you whenever you go to someone's profile you can see who you are both mutually connected to and you and I've got heaps of connections in common um, yeah. And that's something that's going to be able, that's going to make people want to um, have a look at your profile, connect with you, because you have got that um, context, those people in common. So it is a bit of a mix, but you must at least have 500 connections, in my view. I think that's really important. Can it get too big? Yes, I think it can, depending on what you're doing. Um, for example, if like me, you're trying to build relationships with people, then you want to be able, you need to be able to message people. People, certainly when you first um, connect to them, and that takes time. So if I'm sending out the maximum of invites possible, 100 invites a week, and so say 80 or 75 um, of those say yes, then that's 75 follow-up messages that I need to send. So that's either a voice note or a video, which I don't do nearly often enough, or send a text message because you want to build a relationship. So I think it's important for people to go at their own speed uh, and to be able to just to work on this um, slowly and carefully because LinkedIn's a marathon. It's not a sprint. Mm. You're not going to be a superstar overnight. It's going to take not TikTok. time. Yeah, exactly. It's going to take you 20 years to become an overnight um, sensation. So I think that you've got to be, remember that too. And every person's situation is different and their mm -hmm. objectives for being on the platform are different. Yeah, yeah. I, I, I think it's interesting that um, this number around 500, uh, because to me, you know, LinkedIn makes it really easy. They must have this data as well in their in, in the out program into the algorithm because as soon as mm. you join, as soon as you start, and it feels to me like all the time mm. I'm getting this here. Here's all the people we found that we think you might like, or yeah. I'm just can I access your uh, your your email contacts so I can invite everybody from your email contacts across. You know, and 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 I think this is the last bit before we move on to publishing, which I'm really interested in because that's where I kind of fall over. I think most. Um, but in terms of connecting, those quick, ready, smash and grab type approaches, do they have a place or is it better to take that slower, longer, more meaningful, more, more uh, authentic approach? 
Let me spin this around and ask you, if you are, if someone invites you to connect and you say yes, and they immediately send you something that's spammy or salesy or asks you to get on a call to discuss what they have to offer, how do you react? Um, more often than not, I ignore it, um, depending on what it is. Sometimes I'll, I'll, and how much time I've got, you know, if they catch me at the right moment, they might engage me. Um, but that engagement is typically, hey, I don't know you. Um, why would I want to buy from you? Uh, and I, I have this expression, and it's as crass as you like, but it's kind of like walking into a bar and going, who's up for it, you know? Uh, <laughs> the old DTF approach, you know? <laughs> no, <laughs> I, I, sometimes it works. Right. <laughs> yeah, well, you're absolutely right. And this, I don't know I don't about the quality of the relationship you can expect from that kind of approach. <laughs> Let's leave it at that. Right. So you, if you don't, and also, if you don't really like those kind of approaches, don't do it to other people i think linkedin's all about um uh, being who you are authentically in the sense of you want to come across as someone who's not a nice person someone people want to get to know and people don't it's not it's like going into a networking meeting handing somebody that your business card and say will you buy from me yeah. no one likes that approach either in a business networking meeting or on a business platform like linkedin so don't do it yes it's so so important because it feels so you feel so detached and it's almost like you know the cold calling days i remember when i was you know 19 years old and trying to start my career out and i got those those really easy jobs to get commission only cold calling type you know and you just hi do you want to buy no hi do you want to buy and you sort of think you know i've got to make a hundred calls to make a sale well you know i really think that you can burn yourself uh, much quicker, especially in a place like New Zealand where, you know, mm -hmm. like you and I know potentially hundreds of people that we're connected to mutually, mm -hmm. uh, you know, it doesn't take long for the, for people to figure out, oh, that Trevor guy, he's a, he's, he's a bit dodgy and I'm sure there's people having those conversations. Then <laughs> we're not listening to this podcast so I can say what I like. But uh, no, you know what I mean though. It's this mm -hmm. idea of um, I really feel it's more important when people live with value first. And I think yeah. of all the platforms that that's true for, to me, it's LinkedIn. It's more about... Mm -hmm. You know, I, I'm here and if you want to know about me, it's all written on my profile. As you say, I've built, I've built this profile. If you really care, you can go and find out what I do for a living and whether it's of any value or, or of any uh, use to you. But, hey, I'm a human being first and this is kind of what I care about and, and, and who are you and what do you care about? And, I mean, I've got a guest coming up on the, sh on the podcast in a few weeks' time that uh, we, we connected in that exact same way. So, uh, you know, there was this very authentic kind of, hey, let's connect. I see we've got a few people in the network uh, and, and, you know, we struck up a conversation. We've been talking backwards and forwards now for about six months and I'm like, why don't you come on the show? And so now we're going to take that into a, a you know, that, that relationship into a much more meaningful way. So this definitely works. And, and like you said, the reason we're here talking today is because yeah. of LinkedIn. So, um, so it does work. And I think mm. people can burn them, burn themselves and do themselves a lot of injustice if they just go out for that smash and grab kind of, I agree. let's see yeah. how many people I can ask before I get a sale type approach. Yeah, um, it doesn't work. It's, LinkedIn is not a platform where that works really well. It might've done in the early days, but it doesn't anymore. And it comes back to that building of relationships and people getting to know you, Trevor. Mm -hmm. And if you can do that well, um, and one way that you're going to start talking about in a moment is about content. And I think mm -hmm. that that's one of LinkedIn's particular strengths is that it allows content creators to be able to have a voice on LinkedIn. And that makes a big difference, I think, to people being seen and their visibility and their credibility too. Absolutely. And I feel like 
in terms of publishing and content, LinkedIn's mm. got this unique uh, ability to engage people. People are willing to give you more time. It, it, LinkedIn's a slower process for me. Like, you know, the TikTok, it's this six-second fucking stupidity, mindlessness that, you know, you've got a few seconds to grab my attention and it feels like everybody's just going for that two-second snatch grab, those sound bites. Mm. Uh, Facebook is... You know, just it's <laughs> you've got to pay for my attention on Facebook because it's pretty cool. <laughs> yeah, sure. But LinkedIn feels a little bit more like it's you know I'm 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 in there. I'm spending my time in there. I'm reading long form um, posts. I'm engaging with people. I'm watching videos and spending twenty minutes, half an hour at a time. And I'm more than happy to dedicate that time. So I think that's the opportunity. And we're about to talk about it. I can feel it. I can feel it brewing up between the two I of can us. Feel it coming. <laughs> this uh, this idea that, that, that content you've got a, such a unique opportunity mm. on LinkedIn to take your content so much more seriously than yeah. you do on some of the other platforms. Mm. Absolutely. So Come tell on, me a little bit about what's your uh, you know how long you know maybe we should start there. How long do you typically spend on a on a post? Is it something that you that you agonize over it or is it a quick little hey no uh, i I take uh, time over my posts because they're important to me i don't post every day i post maybe um four to five times a week sometimes as few as three times a week depending on how much time i've got to devote to it i also make sure that i try different use different formats so i might do a a poll one day i might do a document post the next uh, or in a couple of days uh, and then i might do just a text only post i find that image posts don't do so well for me i'm a writer that's my natural habitat so I like to write um, content that's what people expect from me as well so that's what those kind of posts do work better um, for me that's for sure but document posts and polls are the two that are doing the best in terms of viewer numbers a vanity metric I know but they do do well and if you can get people to engage on those posts then I think that you are well underway so I preferred instead of looking at how many people have viewed a post because that doesn't mean to say they've read it only mm-hmm. that it's been put in their newsfeed. It's the number of people who have actually taken the time to engage and make a comment that really tells me if a post has resonated or not. Sure. Yeah, 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 definitely. Um, so so there you go. There's a big one. Polls and what was the other? Document posts. Document posts. Tell me a little bit about those. That's new for okay. me. Okay. So um, what I love to do with those is I like to make those kind of very um, high, high value in terms of information and also in terms of visuals. So I do them like an Instagram carousel where mm-hmm. uh, we have a background, um, a template at the back. We have the words on the front. It might be anything between five and 15 different pages. And what happens is that people really like it because it's easy to scroll through. So it might be tips about something, uh, something I've been working on. Like yesterday, the day before, I did uh, a document post about the new Calendly link that you can put into your LinkedIn profile so that you can easily grab a Calendly link and and put it into uh, into your um, into your message when you're talking with somebody, which I think is a great idea. That's amazing. Um, it is amazing. And so, um, if you can do things like that, that help people, give them really good information in an easy to consume way mm-hmm. that doesn't take them too long. I think that those things work really well. Now, the trick to this is that well, a couple of tricks. Firstly, second, first you have to have enough text in the introduction to your document and into any post, really. To be able to get people to uh, click the see more button, which Mm -hmm. triggers the algorithm um, to send your posts to more people because there's this thing called dwell time, which means that the more time, well, ostensibly, more time somebody spends on your your, 
um, post, the more the algorithm thinks it's relevant and valuable, the more people it will send it to, the more news feeds that it will drop into. Wow. So real time is something to take into account, which is why you see people now writing those long posts that you yeah. mentioned earlier, mm-hmm. because people will be keeping that in mind when they're putting their content together. Yes, I've noticed that, um, and I've started kind of doing it myself, probably without really understanding. I, I, I certainly didn't understand dwell time, but I kind of, to me, it was like, here's my headline, and if I can yep. catch you, you'll click the see more button and read the rest of the post. Uh, and so I guess by default, I've kind of landed on that. Um, three lines. Where's my finger? Three lines you need. Um, you know, I can't quite see where I am. But three lines um, that you need to have of text uh, mm-hmm. before to, for um, people to want to read down far enough to click the see more button. So that's got to be your headline and maybe one other line because you always have a um, you know a spare line un- underneath. So yeah, you want to make it attention grabbing. I like the idea of a headline, and everybody should do that with their post. Something that might even be a question, might mm-hmm. be a statement, might be controversial. Uh, it might just be something that you it's going through your mind at the time um but it's important to have something there that grabs people's attention because the, the news feed's very busy and yes. you are competing mm-hmm, um totally. against other people for, for people a- like yourself Lanier, who know this yeah. stuff you know so well that you know, <laughs> the rest of us don't stand a chance so we're going to steal as many ideas as we can from you Please what do. else what else would go into the anatomy of a of, of a of a strong post do you think i mean polls. you need to have hashtags Mm-hmm. Um, every post should end with a hashtag, current best practices between three and five. And now what I recommend for this as a breakdown is you might have two that are really highly followed, like have millions of followers. So, for example, it might in my case, it might be marketing. Mm-hmm. Um, it might be video. It might be um, something the creative I noticed yesterday has got a really high number of, um, of followers. Uh, you want to have a couple of those to be out because your uh, hashtags appear as part of your post, your URL. Mm-hmm. So you want to have a couple of really good follow one, followed ones and you want to have one that's unique to you. So I have hashtag Lanier and I put in brackets, please follow me to find, um, to read more tips or something along those lines. And then I have a couple that might be um, less well followed, but might be more um, specific about the topic uh, or what I do. So one of them for me, of course, is LinkedIn. Um, mm-hmm. And if I'm writing a story about posting, it might be um, hashtag content. So three to five uh, hashtags in every post uh, is something that you should make sure you always include. Okay. Is there a way, I know on link, uh, on uh, Instagram, I can type in a hashtag into the search function and it'll tell me a lot more about how many people are following it, how many posts there are that have used that hashtag, et cetera. Is it the same on LinkedIn? Is that how um, I do yeah, my, how do I do my hashtag research? For yeah, people? sure. Um, it, it is a bit more difficult, but I can, I'll tell you, let me tell you a cheat. Um, there's a guy called Andy Foot. Uh, foot with an E on the end of it, commonly known as God, um, who yesterday put out a post, uh, yesterday being uh, March the 16th, put out a post about, or the day before, about hashtags. And he listed the top 100 hashtags. So uh, if you go to his profile or in his activity, you will find the top 100 hashtags there. Um, and that's by far the easiest way to, um, to check that out. But if you click on a hashtag in someone else's post, uh, then it will come up with the number of followers that it right. has. Yeah. Okay. It's not as easy as it once was. Sure. But definitely worthwhile, right? Like I know I have um, – I'm in charge of – for Otterfish, I do all the marketing for Otterfish and social media is a part of that, of course. So mm-hmm. I have a list of, of hashtags that I've got and I've got a few lists actually. I've, I've, I've built my hashtag strategy out, I guess, to, to say, okay, if I'm – 
I've got my content pillars, so um, and I'm probably getting a little bit 101 for some of our listeners now, but I've got my kind of content pillars, the stuff that I like to talk about, and I kind of group them into themes, and then I've got a hashtag list for each theme. So if the post is related to sort of digital marketing tips, I've got my digital marketing tips hashtags. If it's related to Otterfish, I've got my Otterfish hashtag. So I've got them kind of handy, tucked away on a document somewhere. A bit hard to find on my bloody phone, but <laughs> yeah. uh, if I'm on my desktop, it's easy as. Yeah, yeah. Uh, <laughs> okay, so we've got uh, some kind of call out, attention grabbing, not too clickbaity uh, headline mm. that will attract me into clicking the read more button. I've yep. got some hashtags that will, I'm assuming, help people who aren't following me but might be following a topic discover me yep. and my mm-hmm. content. Yes. What else should I be thinking about when I'm publishing? You should make sure that your formatting is right uh, because okay. you don't want to have a great big block of text which makes it completely unreadable. Mm-hmm. Uh, and because we we do read, we read with our eyes. We, <laughs> we, read we assess with, with our eyes, right? We go, I can't be bothered with that. I'm moving on. <laughs> It's not war and peace, but you still need to grab people's attention and they will not read big blocks of text. They like to read short sentences, short paragraphs. So make sure you have plenty of white space uh, in your text. I love to use emojis because it gives it a bit of energy and a bit of life. Uh, and also, I think it's really um, important not to tag every man and his dog. If you've got somebody that the post is relevant to and you are talking about that post, uh, that person in the post, then by all means tag them. But don't have a tagging wall at the bottom, which might have 20 names in it. You see and that I'll a bit, you- hey? What's Hello? the reason? What's the what's the pros and cons and the ins and outs and why? Like I, I've seen that and, I, and I've fallen victim to it as well. You see this CC, you know, like it's a like it's an internal email or something. Like yeah. you just dump your name dumping. So what is the reason for it and and, and does it benefit or, or or does it detract? Talk to us a little bit about what the strategy is behind tagging sure. people. Um, if you're tagging somebody who's going to respond, <laughs> then that's a great thing to do because if they see that in their notifications and they respond to your post, first of all, that gives you an extra comment that you might not otherwise have had. But secondly, it tells the algorithm that the tagging was relevant to the post. So again, it's going to send out your post to more people. If you have, conversely, if you have 20 people all tagged at the bottom and none of those people respond, then LinkedIn will penalise that post and will make sure it doesn't have a very wide audience. So there's a real good practical reason for that, Trevor. But also, I think that there's a kind of a personal reason in the sense that nobody reads um, all of those big long lists unless they're looking for their own name. Um, Looking at you, Stu Lee's looking at you on that one, mate. No, I'm joking. Um, you, uh, they just look awful, and I don't think that they do anything to advance the post mm. at all. Because if they, if you really, if the person was really relevant to the post, you would have been talking about them in the post. The post. Yeah. Now, some people put the um, the, com- uh, the sorry the tags in the comments, and I don't see any harm in that. But again, don't have too many, and just break it up into uh, into groups. And if it, you're putting it there because you want people to see it. Don't be lazy. Instead, actually put it into a message and send them um, the post so it comes up in their direct messaging feed so they can then comment um, on it. To me, that makes a lot more sense because people will then um, treat it as something that's personal to them. Mm -hmm. So it's better then to have one person tagged in a post that responds than to have 20 people that that ignore it is what you're saying is is, is a better strategy to use. 
Definitely. Um, what about this idea of of um, farming, like we do, <laughs> we do at the office? I'm I'm as guilty as charged here, where you sort of go, okay, everybody, I've just chucked a post up. Can everybody go in and like, share, and follow? Is that still a thing? For this is this is trying to game the algorithm, right? Like, that's um, yeah, yes and no. I mean, the, the whole idea of putting up posts is to get people to respond, right? I mean, that's the whole point of it. You want to start a debate or a conversation, and, and preferably you want to pe- hear from people outside the office. You want other people to be able to um, to see your post. But if those people who are in the office make good comments, um, and by which I mean not saying "great post, Trevor," but actually <laughs> say something that's valuable, right? Or ask ask a question, um, then everybody or people in their networks are going to see the post as well. So that's really good leverage. So I would argue that it's a good thing to have people in the office commenting on your post because it just shows that they're supporting mm-hmm. you personally, you, the company, um, and LinkedIn in general, and it makes them look good if they're, because they're going to be seen as somebody who's engaging on people's um, people's material. So I really do think it's a good idea, but the, 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 the critical thing thing Trevor is that the comments make sense they don't they're just not just throw away they do have to make um, add some value and it's better to have fewer comments that add, that add more value than lots of comments that just say great post Trevor okay last thing and, and we've now moved on to kind of engaging a little bit right we're, yeah. we're now mm-hmm. moving into what to do with once you've posted your content so we, so a couple of big takeaways for me from the publishing thing because I think that's huge and I'd love to see more people take uh, they're posting a little bit more seriously. So yeah. You can see the ones that have thought it through, right? And the ones that have gone, fuck it, I'm just going to write this because I'm <laughs> yeah, five minutes I'm on the toilet yeah. or whatever and I haven't posted <laughs> on LinkedIn for a while. So it's, you know, th- this idea of a headline, uh, some some uh, longer form copy, tagging people who are relevant to the post, which I noticed you did while we were having the conversation about this podcast around, which I, I actually took that one away and went, yeah, I liked how Linair's done that. And then uh, using three to five hashtags because that goes that contradicts all the Gary V bullshit rah-rah that we get from Gary V saying, you know, you need to post 20 times a day and put 500 hashtags on everything. So which may work on other platforms, but from what I'm hearing from you in, in, in the LinkedIn environment, it's better to go for quality over quantity. Yeah, um, Gary V's a, a different he's case. A, he's a quantity over he? quality kind of guy, I think. Yeah, well, I absolutely agree. And his <laughs> objectives of being on LinkedIn are not to build relationships. His objectives of being on LinkedIn are to have everybody see his stuff so mm-hmm. that, you know, he would say something completely different. There's no question. And, you know, it comes back to the objectives. What do you want to be here for? What do you mm-hmm. want to achieve from it? Yeah. Awesome. And then uh, now moving into engaging. So there's the the the, the comment factory, um, which which is what I call the the team, internal team. <laughs> Quick, get on there. I what, like it. I'm going to steal that. Yeah. <laughs> the renter crowd. Uh, <laughs> what's the what's the is there is there an algorithmic kind of value here? Like I know on Facebook, for example, if I get a share, the algorithm that's a bigger signal to the algorithm than a, than a like or a comment. So a share is much more valuable in terms of this attention economy. Is the same principles apply here on LinkedIn? The same principles apply, but it's wrong um, in the sense that it's round the other way. So what's most valuable, the holy grail is a comment, a good comment. Uh, the second most important thing is a like, and third uh, is a share, which is virtually useless to anybody. Um, it doesn't um, uh, doesn't advance the post, the original author's post at all, and it will only get a few comments or very few views in, the, in your own news feed. So my workaround for that um, is to... And 
fact, write a post about the post so that you then um, take the debate further. Then you can add a link to the post in it, but it's your actually your own post um, that sits there. And I think that's probably what happened with this post I did about the podcast, um, is that I talked a bit about the podcast and what I thought we were going, what I thought we were going to be talking about, um, and then added the link in that people could go to to um, to register or to to watch. And so I think that's a better way of doing it because you're creating content for yourself, whereas a share is not doing anybody any favors at all. And I think LinkedIn think it does, but the way that people use it, it just doesn't. Nobody's interested in shares. Mm -hmm. Interesting. Sorry. <laughs> What's the cocktail? <laughs> Someone, I've got a funny feeling that might be Glenn Marvin asking that question. No, this is my, my, my beautiful wife made uh, guava juice. So this is healthy. There's no alcohol in this one because it is only <laughs> local time here is what, three o'clock or something. So it's a little bit early. Um, but anyway, whoever that LinkedIn user anonymous comment is, and, and, and speaking of engaging, we have got a couple of comments. So thank you, sure. Sammy. Uh, I'm glad you're enjoying the content. Don't forget to subscribe. Uh, and also I, I did sing out, but I think more people have tuned in now than were in the beginning. Please, I'd love to see who you are, where you are, uh, maybe what your business is or the business name and a link to your business website. As I said earlier on the podcast, nothing would make me happier than to know that my podcast has brought people together who are now doing business because that's a big part of why I'm doing this. Uh, and then Natalie's got a question, what is the best way to approach someone on LinkedIn? And I think we kind of covered that a little bit earlier in the podcast, yes, personalising mm, yeah. your uh, your outreach to them with a, with a bit of a message and creating some context around it. So some mm -hmm. great uh, questions and please keep them coming. We've only got Lanier for a, a little bit longer. So, uh, so make the most of it while you can, people. Um, so from engaging now, we're talking about messaging. So let's get into yeah. uh, into that direct message approach because that's something that I think is where the, you know, everybody talks about slide into my DMs and let's see what we can do. So that's what we're kind of talking about here. Is that right? Yeah, I think that uh, LinkedIn direct mails, and this is a bit controversial, so feel free to, um, to disagree. I think they are way more useful than emails. Mm-hmm. And I, I base that on the fact that uh, I don't, most people manage their LinkedIn profiles themselves. So they see those direct messages, right? Pop into their um, messaging box. A lot of people for emails will pop into their junk folder, spam folder, other folder if you've got Outlook, and you've never got any guarantee that somebody's going to see your email. So I believe that it's sending uh, direct messages to people that, again, follow the principles of being personal and adding value will do you a lot more good than trying to send emails, which you've got to get permission for anyway. Mm -hmm. um, and provided you... Uh, have a relationship with that person in the sense of you've connected with them, they've agreed to get material from you, they've signed up for a webinar, or there is something there that has connected you in some way, shape, or form, then people seem to respond really well. And that's where you can get personal, Trevor. You can be much more personal in your um, direct messaging than you can in um, in your posting. And I think this is where the gold is. I think that it's, this is where you build those relationships with people. Mm -hmm. And I've got people who've become friends um, simply on the basis of having had LinkedIn connection invites accepted, I'd started a conversation, 
found we've got mutual um, connections or common ground in some way and off the relationship goes. Mm-hmm. And it's like life, right? You meet somebody at a pub, at a party, at, at a dinner party when in the days when you did, did those things, um, and you then you find you've got some common ground, you decide to catch up for a coffee next week, then you might go and have lunch, I don't know, meet together with the kids and do something together. But the relationship become, turns into something that was just a chance meeting into a friendship, and mm-hmm. that's how these things develop naturally and organically it is the same on linkedin right and i think it's that that's massive for me what you've just said there because when i go to well when i was allowed when when (laughs) when arnie jacinda lets us go back out and play and we can go and enjoy ourselves again at various locations around the country um Whilst that is a, a lovely way to meet and you do make very quick and, and, and often very meaningful relationships that way, the thing about LinkedIn is I'm not constrained by the fact that I live in this geographic location. You yeah. know? So I can start building relationships and, 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 and meaningful relationships and connections mm. with people irrespective of where they live. And, yeah. and suddenly that opens up a whole lot more when I think about it that way. So I think what you've just said is, is massive and, uh, and I see that as a huge opportunity and that's something that I really love because I can actually reach out to and connect with people that I've always wanted to talk to that might live in another country. And I thought, oh, well, I'd love to talk to Elon Musk. Not that Elon Musk is in my DMs, <laughs> maybe one day, but not today. Yeah, um, so going to be off biting Putin. Isn't that what I saw the other day? That I didn't quite my head around that one, but that's Twitter flu. <laughs> well, I mean, he's only doing a million other things, so I'm sure he can slot it into his, his calendar. Yeah, sure. um, mm-hmm. Speaking of famous people, uh, if we've got somebody who is uh, like a public figure on LinkedIn and there's mm-hmm. no ability to kind of, you can only follow them, you can't connect, they've, remove that and i'm assuming that's some sort of different type of profile that they've got no Um, no no it's just there's a limit on the number of connections you can have and here's the trick to this one you might be surprised at how many connections they actually have compared to followers right they might have fifty thousand followers but they might only have ten thousand connections so there's no reason why you shouldn't reach out but you don't know that Mm -hmm. until you actually reach out to them you won't know whether or not they have got the capacity to add new connections or and that's enough but that's if you are doing that you need to give them a very good reason to connect with you mm. okay don't so, by the follower connection thing it's not the same at all right okay that's an interesting tip so i had i got very excited um just before we went into the podcast and i hope that um because we had to change the link and we had that technical issue that this this didn't fall over but i saw sir ray avery who is one of my heroes was going to watch my podcast today and i thought holy shit sir ray's going to tune in and I wanted to message Sir Ray, but I can't message him because it's a follow situation. It's oh, not you can. a. Oh, so, no, no, what's no. your hack? How do I get around that? Right. How do I reach so, out to somebody who doesn't have a message button when I'm. Right. I don't have a, that on mine either because um, the way I've got my profile set You're going to get inundated now. You're going to give the game away right now. Absolutely fine. Inundated. If anybody wants to connect with me, I will be thrilled to have them just mention <laughs> Trevor and the podcast today. I will just be thrilled. Um, so, instead of clicking on the follow button, you go to the more button and in the drop down menu there's a um a, a message there that says connect it's just a little word connect if you click on connect in that drop down menu it will take you to um uh, open another window where, or another tab where you can not it's not a tab either um a field where you can write a message and say hey Lanier, i saw you on the podcast today um belatedly uh, i'd love to connect uh so um that's really easy to do that now that's on the desktop so don't click follow go to the more menu and i'm right. pretty sure that you can reach out to saray he's a really nice bloke i've had something to do you know things to do with him earlier on and he's a really lovely guy so reach out to him on 
using that button. Now, on your phone, it's slightly different. Same principle. It's the three dots menu. And so you just click on that and it will say, what does it say? I don't use my phone for do, doing this very often. But it says, um, personalize your invite. I think that's okay. what it says on your phone. Something do that. Like that. And then you can send an actual um, message that you have to type in. So for me, that one's gold. And if anyone's made it to the, what it be, 45 minutes or whatever, we're <laughs> into this <laughs> podcast, they've just, that that's a big one. So um, I find that, you know, that, that LinkedIn is probably the, one of the only platforms you can do that. Um, I know that most of the other platforms, if, uh, if, if you can't, if, if they're a public figure, for example, on Facebook mm-hmm. or whatever, you can't reach out to them. You can't connect with them. And, uh, and that, um, you know, for obvious reasons, I imagine that, you know, I'm sure Kim Kardashian gets fucking thousands and thousands of messages <laughs> a day uh, and, and doesn't need to hear from me. But if uh, if you're on LinkedIn, then you have this opportunity by by going to the more button or clicking those three dots. I think that's massive. So um, so that's a, a really and good And don't one. be put off. Don't just think that because someone's well known, they won't want to connect with you. Um, you don't know what their um, connection strategy is or how they view LinkedIn. Mm-hmm. Uh, and be, they may not get many invites because the follow button shows. And you can, and there are, um, there's another area of LinkedIn that if you to enable that, it turns the connect button to follow and you can't change that. I don't want it to say follow on my profile, but it does. And right. I can't change that if I, unless I change the other thing that I you know. Okay. So LinkedIn always hassles me, and I'm sure it's hassling every one of its 800-odd million uh, users to upgrade to premium. Tell me a little bit about why why should I or shouldn't I? Because I always feel like, no, I, I kind of do okay out of LinkedIn. I don't need to be a premium. It wants to sell me on the fact that I'll be able to see who's looking at me. I don't really care if you're looking at me. If you if there's a reason you're looking at me and you want to reach out, I'm very open. You can easily message me. So anybody who really does want to connect uh, is more than able to. So I don't see any value in premium. What would be a use case for somebody to want to pay the whatever it is a month to upgrade? Okay. Well, uh, I agree with you. Right. Um, I have premium because uh, it puts a, um, a little uh, icon on my screen that says I'm a premium member, which indicates to other um, serious LinkedIners that I'm a serious LinkedIner. But that's not essential. And I did an experiment last year, Trevor, where I didn't pay. I'd had Sales Navigator for, for ages, which is a really expensive one. It costs about 100 bucks a month here in New Zealand. And I wasn't getting any value uh, out of that um, because now that LinkedIn has reduced the number of people you can send an invite to, to a week, uh, you're not being you can't use that search function and send out bulk email. I'm sorry, bulk invites in the way that you used to be able to do. Mm-hmm. So I'm not entirely certain that I think that there is a great value um, in having a premium. Yes, they're going to give you more analytics on who's viewed your profile, and that's being rolled out now. But if you don't care. Um, then there's absolutely uh, no use to you at all. Sales Navigator does have some really good search functions, but you can just use the um, free account uh, just as equally well. You can't save the searches. That's a, that's the major difference. But if you're in sales, then you would want to have Sales Navigator. I think that's a really big uh, big thing. But for people like you and I who are just really using LinkedIn to be able to extend our networks, meet new mm-hmm. people, um, become visible and all those things, we don't need premium unless you really want to have it i think it's a nice to have not a must have right good advice okay so i'll keep the 100 bucks a month or whatever they keep yeah. trying to get out of me in my pocket yeah. <laughs> especially with so the price of petrol these either. days that'll get me another half a tank um yeah. well yeah probably five kilometers down the road <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> <Rain's going up. laughs> um 
couple of other things while we're talking about the sort of sales function. And I know that LinkedIn is a very powerful tool for salespeople. And most salespeople I know, a couple of them are listening or, or maybe they've clocked out at the 50-minute mark because they're salespeople. But um, I know a lot of people sort of lean into LinkedIn pretty heavily from a sales point of view and people who are new to the platform or especially people, I think, running small businesses uh, that don't really uh, have, a, have a great understanding of how to leverage LinkedIn. Do you have some advice around maybe a B2B or a B2C kind of approach, depending on what sort of vertical I'm in, as to how I might leverage LinkedIn a little bit more for my uh, lead gen and sales sure. pipeline? Okay, so one of the things I'm a big fan of, Trevor, is company pages. I'm, in fact, I'm so much of a fan of company pages that I uh, co-wrote a book about it last year, so I'm just going to pull that up there. That's the one I read last night. Okay. 10.30 well, last night, I think I finished that one. Very interesting. Another great it's little step-by-step. Exactly step. bedtime reading. Um, it, well, reading. you know, it's... Uh, <laughs> I'm a bit weird. I'm a, I'm a nerd when it comes to this shit. Obviously, I've got a podcast about it, so I really get into it. Um, yeah, yeah. So for me, it was bedtime reading. I certainly rather do that than stare at TikTok videos for an hour. But um, well, then there you go. Okay, so that's all about company pages. It's the world's first book about company pages because LinkedIn aims to be the Amazon of the B two B marketplace. Okay. So what it's doing is it's adding new features and new functionality to company pages to make them um, better more usable, more feature heavy, so that we will all get more value out of them. So for example, you now can hold live LinkedIn live events directly from your company page, which is a great way to be able to spread your message. You're supposed to be able to do uh, send out newsletters from your company page, but that's there's too many glitches on that one still at present. Um, you can involve your team. You can have a whole like an intranet on your company page to be able to get all your team involved um, and LinkedIn, but that's more for bigger for bigger companies. Smaller businesses um, should be looking at their company page as a, a way to be able to get um, extended organic reach. Okay. People will argue that um, posts from company pages don't get seen in news feeds, and I don't think that's right. We've had um, some posts from one some some of our pages. We've got two that get massive reach, and it's it's depending on the topic. If you go in, and this applies to um, any kind of posting, if you go in there trying trying to sell, sell, sell through your posting, people will just yawn and switch off. But if you give value every time you're posting, then people will be wanting to look out for your posts and you will be top of mind when they need your services. So instead of selling, what you're doing is you're bringing people in who are interested in what you do. So it's a bit of a switch. It's how um, selling has turned completely around. Like the social selling is completely different these days from the old traditional um, sales sense. So um, in terms of sales people, I think it comes back to building relationships again with people and you because you do business with people, you know, like and trust. So I think it's perfectly acceptable to be building relationships with people and then reaching out to them, taking the um, conversation off LinkedIn onto a call once you've established that the person is interested in what you're trying to sell. So, a lot of ways to do it. So the nature between, because it feels to me like that that relationship building should happen on a personal page. Like I wouldn't use a company page to build a relationship with someone. You can't like, anyway. I'd it's push because, them into it. No. The, the company page is more about establishing authority 
on a on on, on the, the company the topic that, mm, yeah, yeah that you that, that you represent or your it's product, a brand so. just a company branding um platform really um where you can tell people more about your services and the things that you're doing and and how you can help them um and whereas a personal profile is more as you say about building those relationships so there is a bit of a a, a gap um in the sense that you, know, you can't direct message from a company page mm-hmm. i think that's a shame right i think that if, if you are the face of the company, for example, mm-hmm. you should be able to do that, but you can't. You would do that from your personal profile. So it's not it's not there yet, but the way that they're setting things up, they're building a digital wallet, they're allowing people to be able to um, request proposals um, now to people directly. I think there's a lot more of that direct business going to be going on on LinkedIn. So if you want to buy my services, then you'll be able to do so directly from within LinkedIn That's and pay for it within LinkedIn as well. Wow. So... For service industry, because I know for products it's a bit different, but for service industry, does LinkedIn company page become my company website and I no longer need to combat on Mm. the whole? Because to me, SEO is also becoming a paid service, right? Like organic SEO is virtually impossible with these content aggregators, Mm. you know, like the buzzfeeds of the world that just fucking dominate any field that Mm. they go into because they've got millions of pages coming out all of the time and I'm a little business and I've got one a month and that's my Mm. blog. Should I be more interested in trying now to build that company page as my main blog channel because there's already an audience on LinkedIn that I can tap rather than trying to convince the whole world to go and look at my fucking $20 a month WordPress site. I absolutely agree. Um, And and I think that um, websites really are losing um, traction in that regard because it is so hard to get organic reach with them and to get people to visit your website is something that's getting more and more difficult so I agree that putting things onto your personal profile and your company page is a really good idea because that's where people already are are. 800 million of them but I do think that we need a website for credibility still we're not mm-hmm. that far advanced in terms of marketing generally that we can afford to be without it. Conversely, though, if you don't have a website and you ask me, should I be on LinkedIn and really make a good effort with my company page, or should I put it on, or should I spend five grand or more and set up a website? I'd be saying, do it on LinkedIn. I remember when I, I had a little agency um, a few moons ago and Unfortunately, my primary email is still that agency email and that website still exists and it hasn't been updated in fuck <laughs> six or seven years. There's some terrible yeah. stuff on there and any and it comes up all the time when people go looking for me. But mm-hmm. I I kind of leaned into that early and I feel like that um, was a was a really interesting way of looking at it. So I looked at the website as a home base, but my latest news was my LinkedIn company page yeah. and my uh, contact us was my actually my Twitter page. So yeah. I just used my social media and, and used my website as a vehicle to drive people to the channels where I wanted to spend my time because I couldn't be bothered was the truth in maintaining a website. I thought, well, wh- why do I need to do this? It feels like I'm a service provider. Mm. I don't need to sell. I don't need an e-commerce function. And it sounds to me like even e-commerce is coming to these platforms. I know Facebook and Instagram are really, really serious about this and they're getting very, mm very, very close to being able to um, set up a wallet and, 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 and trans, transact directly off the platform. Yeah, LinkedIn is um, too, yeah. yeah. Right. So and that's all coming. That LinkedIn is owned by Microsoft. Mm-hmm. So for better or for worse, them. for richer or for poorer. Till- <laughs> they've got the wherewithal to do it. And that's this is their stated intention to, you know, be the B2B of the Amazon, the Amazon or the B2B world. So I think that we'll see. That's why we're seeing so many changes, I think. Mm-hmm. Okay. 
so B2B is definitely LinkedIn's uh, lane, right? Yes. Uh, and you've got with Sales Navigator, you've got some ABM type strategies and, and you outline quite a few of these in your book. So without you know, n- nudging that we're getting towards the hour mark and uh, it, we're probably down to the last two or three people that are listening to the podcast anyway, I'd, I'd like to direct people who are interested in perhaps adopting more of that ABM style marketing uh, and those B2B strategies to dive into your book. Um, Mm -hmm. which is absolutely available. And thank you to our wonderful producer who has just chucked that up (laughs) on the podcast. So there's now a link for those of you who are interested. Please go and grab it. It's um, it's easily digestible. And what I loved about it was it was really a step-by-step. It's like, do this, then this, then this. Yeah, yeah, that one is. Right here. And it was just so easy. I thought, far out, that's just a playbook that I can roll out. Is there a B to C play or is that still very much what we've been talking around, uh, networking, building relationships, one-to-one, using my personal page? Um, how do I, as a business, sell to many or is it just paid ads? Is it the LinkedIn campaign manager, PPC campaign to do the B to C play? I think that is probably true, Trevor. I know, to be fair, I haven't had a lot of experience with the advertising side of LinkedIn. It's something I'm intending to dip my toe into uh, this year, but I haven't been doing a lot of it because nobody has ever said to me that it's been really successful for them. Uh, they said it's very expensive, uh, but nobody has said, wow. I've got one tactic. I've got <laughs> yes. one tactic. It's an ABM tactic that I've seen work very, very well on LinkedIn. And it's because you can get so so targeted on LinkedIn, I can call out employees of a company. So if there's an account that I'm trying to win, I can use a bit of media spend on LinkedIn to show ads only to people who work at that company and well, call the person out who I want to talk to in that company. And suddenly I've got a very, very compelling um, ad campaign, but it's not this one to many. That's why I'm asking the question of yeah, you. Yeah. This B to C play where there's 800 million people on this platform. Mm. Some of them want to buy my shit. How do I get to them? Is it is it just, you know, people interested in digital, like from an Otterfish point of view, people interested in digital marketing or small business owners or whatever it is, here's our platform that will help you run better ads on social media. I think that what you've just said is uh, the important bit of that is they've got to be interested in it. Mm. If they're interested in it and they're looking and they're reaching out, they'll find you if you are out there and you are publishing really good quality content. And you, But you have to be visible. You've got to stand mm. out from everybody else, right, who's doing something similar. And the way that you do that is by showing up consistently day after day, week after week, month after month. And don't give up after three months and say, oh, I haven't got any leads or you know, it doesn't work for me um, because you yourself have described yourself as a lurker and there are a lot of people out there who are watching but may not necessarily get in touch and they won't get in touch, Trevor, until mm-hmm. I need your services. And I had somebody recently who connected to me three or four years ago and has been a lurker and I know that he's been there because I've seen the odd thing. Um, but recently he came and said, okay, now I'm ready. How much, you know, where where do I pay my money? And Mm -hmm. that's what you want because those people are already interested in your product. You've sold them on what you can provide and the fact that you are the provider that they want to choose. No selling required. They Mm -hmm. actually 
come to you. So, I, and that's an approach that I really like because I'm not a natural salesperson and I like to build those relationships. But that's not the same for people who have quotas to meet. And so that, I think, is a different kettle of fish altogether. And the strategies that I talk about may not work for that quite so mm-hmm. well. And it's a matter of using LinkedIn in a way that works for you, for what you're trying to achieve. And we have mentioned that before, that your objective might be different from mine. So what you will do in terms of your strategies will be different from me. But try them. Have Mm -hmm. a go. That's what the thing about LinkedIn is you can always try new things. Send out a newsletter on a regular basis. One post isn't going to change anything really, is it? So if if, if it doesn't work, it's okay. Yeah, absolutely. There's nothing lost, is there? But events, I think events are a really good thing. Because if you just take yourself as an example, um, I don't know much about Otterfish, but I tell you what I do know, I do know about you and Otterfish. So the two things are combined in my mind, right? And so the company has allowed you, I don't know how loud you, maybe you bully them into it. But anyway, you are the front person for Otterfish and people are going to be drawn to you and drawn to the company because of you. And that is excellent use of you as a resource from a company point of view. So whoever suggested that, whether it was your CEO, he's still waiting for you, by the way, <laughs> yeah. um, or whether you went to him and said, I want to do this, really kudos, because I think that this is a really good way to promote your brand through this podcast and through these events yeah uh thank you that that was actually the you know one of the main driving reasons for the podcast it just turns out that i really enjoy talking as well so um so the podcast medium suits me i'd rather do this than think about things that i need to post so for me this is easy yeah uh, i don't yeah, really do own, a lot of prep uh for these things uh it just sort of came came to me pretty quickly and pretty, pretty easily yeah. and quite naturally so um, so, yeah, and I think you're right. And, and I like to use this expression that success comes slow and then it comes fast. And yep. it's about being consistent, which you said just a minute ago, yep. turning up. And, and and one thing you said earlier, which surprised me, was you you tend to post sort of, you know, even as, as little as three times a week. And, mm. you know, so having three kind of well-structured and thought-out posts that engage and add value is far and doing that consistently is enough, which brings me to the final thing I've got on my list. And, and I must be getting better at this, or maybe I'm getting worse. I don't know, because I've now got questions. When I first started doing the podcast, I didn't give a shit. I just said, let's just have a conversation. <laughs> After reading your books, I'm like, oh, fuck, I want to talk about this. And I want to talk about this. <laughs> so I've, got, I've got one more thing on my list, and then we can, we, can, we can potentially finish it up from there, is LinkedIn for introverts. Now, I think social media is a really interesting platform, uh, a really interesting phenomenon, uh, because it suits people like me who I don't care so much about what people think about me. Um, mm. They're either going to like what I have to say and, and, and engage with me or they're not. And that's life and that's okay. And I'm comfortable with that. Um, but that makes me a very extroverted kind of person. I'm, I, I feel mm. pr- pretty, pretty happy with being able to being in this medium and putting myself out there. But for the people who aren't that confident or are more introverted by nature, I think social media can be quite confronting to them. Yeah. Uh, this yeah. idea that I've got to put myself out there. Well, I don't fucking feel comfortable doing that. I'm quite mm. happy. These are the lurkers, maybe. I don't know. Um, but yeah. I, I noticed that you had some content in there and you've got some thoughts around how to leverage something like LinkedIn for introverts. And I'd really love to hear sure. more about that. Um, I think that for introverts, it's really an interesting process because 
everybody's different and you and I both naturally chatty, naturally extroverted and it's hard to hold us back. But for people for whom that is not the case, it's again a matter of finding the things that work for them. So you love podcasting, I love writing. Um, there are some people who love to do videos and that really pushes them, them out there. And we talk about our opinions and we share stuff from our, as I said earlier, about um, personal stuff as well. Introverts are more likely to decide that they're going to be reporters. So they will report other things that are happening in the industry. Now, what that does, it means it's not them saying it. So they're not pushing themselves out there. They're talking about something else that's happening and they are just being the conduit of it, if you like. Mm -hmm. And that's a kind of like an easy way for introverts to be able to ease themselves into being on the platform without really um, being concerned about being the tall poppy or um, that people are going to say nasty things about them. Because the thing about LinkedIn is that by and large, Trevor, it's a very benign environment. People like to be there. You're not hiding behind someone else. So um, mostly, mostly, um, people don't really get into that trolling like they do mm -hmm. on other platforms when they can pretend to be somebody else. And people genuinely want to help others. And so if you are someone who doesn't want to get up and say, I'm absolutely fabulous, which is a bad mistake anyway, um, by my staff, um, but you find that you want to be on here, then talking about what's going on in the industry is a really good way to do it, by, um, to be able to be positioning yourself as an expert by the fact that you know what's going on. So mm -hmm. it's kind of, kind, of, um, kind of like being an expert by proxy. You are telling other people what's happening, so therefore people will see you in a good light and start to expect that kind of thing from you. I do that in a way by talking about the um, the new features that LinkedIn is bringing in. So these aren't my opinions. I'm not sharing anything personal. I'm just telling people what's new. And I think that that can be a really good strategy for those mm. Um, but, uh, you know, uh, it's not easy. It's definitely not easy. Um, and there's a lady called Tara Fitness, who's an Australian lady, um, and her gig is helping people um, on LinkedIn who are introverts. That's that's the, her audience, introverts on LinkedIn. And so the, I think that it's not uncommon for people to feel like that. Well, they don't have the confidence mm -hmm. to be able to get out there. And a lot of people find that that's a problem. But once you get into it, um, it's a matter of hold me back. Mm -hmm. That's <laughs> so brilliant. They, get to, they grow into it. Yeah, brilliant, brilliant advice. You can be very selective and curate the content and, and things that you share without even having to get in and weigh in on it. And just by keeping into a strict kind of theme or format or, or, or putting some rails around what you share and why, and you know, it, it, it can make you an expert without even really uh, having to to put yourself out there. So that's uh, that's really, really great advice. Thank you so much, Lanier. I know that we're probably way over what we probably should have, uh, we, you know, where we should have gone. And I think you and I could probably talk about this for another couple we of hours uh, without any any uh, batting an eyelid, but I know uh, that my CEO is waiting for me uh, for a meeting and I better not keep him waiting any longer or we might not have the podcast next week. Uh, but look, Thank you so much for giving up some of your time. I've learned heaps and I hope anybody that's listening to the podcast and made it all the way through has also learned uh, a lot from this podcast. If you did make it all the way to here, 
I know that you've enjoyed this because otherwise you wouldn't still be listening. So please subscribe uh, because that sends a signal not only to me uh, and the people who pay for this, my CEO who's waiting for me, uh, but also to people like Lanier and future guests of the show that you value the content, you value that they're giving up their time, uh, which is which is uh, huge uh, and it doesn't take much. You just push the little button and that's it. It's over. So please do that. And also, uh, yeah, give me a five-star review if you really loved it because as we learned today, that's really important. So head over to my LinkedIn page and five-star this shit and also follow hashtag Lanier so that you can learn more of these amazing LinkedIn tips. Thank you so much, Lanier. Great meeting you. Really enjoyed that chat. Let's do it again. Sounds fantastic. Thanks so much. All right. Thanks, everyone. See you later. Bye. Bye.